Welcome, welcome, welcome to Curious About Creativity. I'm your host, Ashley Evenson, and I am here with the beautiful and wonderful and most magnetic Steph Turner. Today on the podcast, we have Susie Johansson. She is a designer, a pattern maker. She's had a career as a graphic designer. Susie is a learner about biodiversity. Um, she puts a lot of that into her pattern making, and I am so excited to talk to her. She's always filled with so many gems, so much wisdom, so much compassion and kindness. She's just a constant inspiration. I know to me, I think she's also a, con a constant inspiration to Steph. I was just going to say how nice it is that we've got someone that we both know, actually, and who's, who's played a very important part in our recent creative journey together so yeah which I do I do want to give the audience just because I think this is a really great story so the three of us met right before the pandemic and <clears throat> we started peer coaching each other through a, a program or something that we all saw and it was for female creatives to peer coach each other and I have to say that through that peer coaching there were some days where the pandemic was really getting to me, but because I had the connection that I did with you, Steph and Susie, that really got me through some of that darkness. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, same here. And also I think it's just so nice to know we weren't alone in terms of our professional journey and knowing mm. what it's like uh, holding uh, various different hats and mm. trying to earn a living, but also on top of this kind of real trauma, which was the backdrop of the pandemic and all the losses we were experiencing and all the uncertainty so really important part of, of our life now I reckon yeah well I'm super excited to talk to Susie about creativity so welcome Susie Hello everybody welcome to Curious About Creativity with your hosts Steph Turner and Ashley. And today we have the wonderful Susie Johansson with us. We are so excited to be talking with her. So Susie is a graphic and surface pattern designer based in the southeast of England. She's got over 20 years experience working as a designer on a diverse range of projects, um, but more recently has focused in, focused in on her uh, interest in pattern design and colour. She's facilitated international workshops exploring creative pattern making to help others reflect and question habits, thoughts and feelings on different topics and themes. And Susie's interested in the natural environment and our relationship with it, as well as how pattern and nature can be a metaphor for so many aspects of our lives. So we're so excited to have you on today, Susie. I know as well as being a really talented designer, you are a very deep thinker. And so first of all, just the opening question, really. When did you realize that you were creative or creativity was going to be a major part of your life? I can't remember one event, but I do recall probably about the age of four or five, really, really, really wanting a set of Caran d'Ache pencils for my Christmas present. And I wanted the biggest tin of them because there just never are enough colors in the world. And I just remember each year wanting a new set or felt tips and, and getting them and just drawing colouring in, scribbling, just playing. And my mum was always sewing, so there's always making going on in some way or another. And I think I just tapped into that. And tell me a bit more about the journey that you went on. I was very lucky in that I went, I went to a school that was very small and very liberal arty. And 
there was a lot of opportunity to be creative in that. At one point, I was set a timetable that was chemistry or art. And I just went, art. Oh, there's no way I was going to do chemistry. I think from there, I had the opportunity to do double arts. So I was doing twice the amount of art of any other subject at school. At A-level level, it, I did um, double art again. So I was always doing loads and loads of making and art. And one of the tutors said, you'd be really good in graphic design. You know, the way you think, the, what you do, what you produce, you'd be really good in graphic design. Why don't you just apply? Which was in the 80s and it was quite cool. There was a lot of, you know, pop styling and magazine styling happening then. And it was actually quite cool. And I thought, oh, that sounds fun. I haven't really got anything else to do. And I, was, and I just applied and I got into graphics and that was it. And then I just worked as a graphic designer um, in publishing and freelance, some design agencies. I stopped working full-time. I was working part-time while bringing up my children. And then I decided to do an MA because I had this little itch. I wanted to scratch around patterns and colour and learning. And I wanted to be in an environment where there was a lot of creative learning happening because working, you learn on the job. But that sort of creative space was really important. And thinking about what is creativity to you and it sounds like your creative journey has taken a different road really in terms of the different um, mechanisms you're using or the different people you're working with could you speak a little bit more about that? Many people obviously have a creative ability or a creative outlet or a creative interest and I think there are so many different forms of creativity and I know that I've gone through different ones exploring ideas. I'm not that comfortable with the word creativity or being creative because I feel that different people express it in so many different ways it becomes really personal and to use one term is a bit it's a bit general and people get the wrong idea of it I found a quote by French film director Bresson and he said that bringing together things that have not yet been brought together and did not seem predisposed to be so I love that you have an idea or a a thinking or, a, or an inspiration or intuition to put two things together and find a third thing that might be beautiful, it might be functional, it might be radical, it might be really interesting because it's putting two things together that aren't normally put together and there's space in between those two things to explore and I think that's kind of my graphic design training has taught me that um, and I had a wonderful tutor called George Hardy who is a, a fantastic illustrator who's very, very witty, and he does exactly that in his illustrations, and I would recommend you all look up George Hardy's work, and that's Hardy with an I-E on the end. He has a way of putting bonkers images together and making something that seems so incredibly obvious, you wonder why it never existed in the first place. And I think that's what creativity is. I think it's about having an intuition about something or a, or a, a discovery and really wanting to make that available to somebody else whether through its music writing or a visual outcome or a performing outcome I think I think it's like I've got something to say I'm not always sure what it is and I'm going to make something out of that and it's going to be hopefully original hopefully interesting hopefully beautiful and hopefully connecting and I think if you can make something through that creative force that is connecting mostly it's bringing about some emotional response in somebody or an emotional trigger that takes them to a place of feeling or understanding. I think that's what, as a graphic designer, I've been trained to do, which is connect to the audience on an emotional level 
or on a super interest level and create image with text that will support that. And then I see it in artists and I think, oh, that's that's really clever. I see what you've done there. Do you think that's something that's innate in us, um, in all of us or particular people? I think there is a sense of it being innate and I think it needs space to be discovered and I think it needs space to be played with and I think it needs encouragement to say whatever you deliver is is fine because it's like a form of expression and if people have their expression curtailed or boxed or trained out of them there can be a, a, a misleading belief that it's not okay to to be that it's not okay to play it's not okay to make a mess it's not okay to get the words in the wrong order I know I've been trained now as a graphic designer and I know I find it very hard to unpick that training so I often think about solutions to problems creative problems which can really trip me up and I think maybe I don't need solutions maybe I just need to play more sometimes if I just let what comes out come out, I'm surprised. And then I have to sort of backtrack and think, well, where did that come from? Sometimes that feels peculiar, novel, scary, amazing. So I think, I think it is innate, but I think many children go through schooling that teaches them to be rational and logical and formulaic. I think that oppresses innate creativity or the expression of innate creativity. Yeah, thank you, Susie. I think in a way we we jump to problem solving, don't we, rather than exploring the process or we jump to the result. What is the end thing that we're creating? What is the product we're creating rather than thinking about the journey that we go on? And actually that that is the creative bit, right? The, once you've done it, you've done it. Um, and other people might be, you know, creative in response to it or have a creative response to it. But your own um, creativity with whatever you are making or creating sort of ceases at that point. So it's really in the journey. But yeah, it's very easy to, because of what we value in society, kind of in a wider, wider lens, uh, that we focus on those things rather than being playful and making mistakes and being silly, um, getting messy. I think making mistakes is really interesting. And I saw that very much in a workshop I did last week where one of the people was staring at a blank piece of paper and she said, I've just, I just can't see anything anymore. I just can't, I can't do this. And it was just about coaxing her out of that forget what you think you want on the paper and let's just try something you've never done before for five minutes not because it's going to be the thing you know one of the things you were talking about when we were talking about setting this up was giving it a go and that was absolutely that you know faced with a a desire to to express something and that blank piece of paper and and thinking it's not okay to play is, is a really uncomfortable place to sit because you've got stuff inside you want to make it out and I think play is the answer and, and being messy. So, you know, deliberately doing things wrong, deliberately doing things badly, exaggerating the best of things, exaggerating the worst of things is a great warm up before you know it, you're doing something. I think that that really plays into the point that you were making before about discovery. Even if you decide to do it wrong or decide that this isn't going to be anything like that's part of the discovery process to just see what's going to happen when you do go into play. Mm. And I know that that's something that I can relate to. In order to be able to do something to that blank space, I think the context, the wider context has to be okay. And that's what I mean about the way we're brought up to believe that what we express is okay. 
there have been times where I wouldn't want anyone to see what I'm doing. You know, that's really, really hard in a graphic design situation because you've got a deadline. You might have someone coming over to you in four hours time going, right, let's have a look at what you've done. And, you know, maybe three hours of that has been, I've just been doing all the things I shouldn't be doing. I'm getting it wrong first before I can get it right. I'm throwing things on paper. That's like the workings of my darkest internal creative self. I don't want people looking at that. But everything is going to get picked through. So there have been times where I've done literally three hours of I don't know what I'm doing and then just fudged one or two things out of it and presented that alone. And then there's been the reverse where I've I've literally gone, oh, my God, this could be so this could be it. And I'm just going to do that. And then I've tried to work around it in a different way. I've tried to get myself out of that immediate solution, immediate creative answer, that immediate visual and and then justify it by doing a load of in hindsight work on that or if it wasn't going to be that what would it be and I'm I'm out you know there's nothing there <laughs> and and that's I think that's the guilt of an artist as well if it comes easily is it art if it comes easily is it an idea um, and I had a friend say to me I was talking about I don't know which direction to go in with a particular thing I was doing and she said to me she said honestly it's okay to be easy it's okay for it to be easy and that's like Picasso sketch, you know, he can do a, a sketch in a moment, but it's the years that go behind it. And he doesn't have to feel guilty about that sketch. He might throw it away, but somebody else goes, oh, that's a Picasso. I'll just stick that somewhere safe for a while. There is always this, um, the critic inside our heads, isn't there? I think I only speak for the people I, myself and the people that I've spoken to, but everyone I know who practices something creative, their inner critic is uh, very much on their shoulder, shouting into their ear many times. Yeah. <laughs> and that ties into another quote that I saw attributed to Banksy, but I'm not sure because when was he ever interviewed? I don't, I don't know. know. It said, if you get tired, learn to rest, not to quit. And I think that's really interesting. It's about acknowledging what you're feeling and acting appropriately. And I think if you've done, you know, an hour of sketching or draft writing or dance warm ups or whatever it is you do for your creativity, it's OK just to rest at that point. It's OK to say I've done a bit and then go back to it with a different take. Um, it's OK to say I've done all I can today, but it doesn't mean it's over. <laughs> I know I've got more work to do. And that is the discipline. I don't think there's any creative success without immense discipline and the quote I go to for that is one from sister Carita Kent she's got a list that I've got I have them pinned up in front of me here and they sound really hard and really bossy and and she was a nun but she also ran a very radical art <coughs> department in the US in the 60s and rule seven is the only rule is work and what she means by that is not to be a slave to your, to work not to have any fun and not to have time off but actually, if you want to succeed creatively, if you want to get your message across, if you want people to hear you, you've got to keep working and do it in a way that's fun. In your work, you've been exploring your connection with the environment, and that seems like something that's really um, important for you. And I don't know if you'd call yourself an activist, happy to, for you to, to say a bit more about that, but just curious to know how you've 
used your creativity as a form of activism and perhaps how activism has affected your creativity? I wouldn't call myself an activist because I'm probably a little bit quieter and more introvert in my approach but having been doing graphic design for a long time and learning skills that get applied to clients that aren't always aware of the environment or their business is not related to anything that's going to acknowledge climate change I started to get a bit frustrated by that sort of blinkered view of of where they sit in the world and it started to make me think about where I sit in the world and what skills I've got and that was one of the things that came to support my decision to do the MA later in life and that was because I have learnt skills I don't feel good about applying them to clients that I don't particularly feel in tune with I really would like to do something where I can talk about or I can use my skills to inform people about the environment and my particular thing is I love, I love wildflowers, I love the plants around me. I, I'm really interested in the idea of biodiversity because it really fits with a pattern metaphor. Many motifs, varying form and shape in different compositions can make really beautiful patterns. The same shape, one monoculture type motif in a pattern is not the most exciting pattern. It's not going to thrive. It doesn't have much to call on. That would be the metaphor of a polka dot or a chessboard. They're, they're fine, they're nice, they're safe, they're comfortable, they're predictable. But that's not what life is like. Life is much more complex and nature is much more complex. And actually, as a pattern designer, you do want to include complex forms that create interesting negative spaces that open that space for conversation. You put two, two motifs next to each other, they have a conversation visually there's a correspondence as a pattern proceeds between one form and another and I think that is a sort of a metaphor for the system of nature and 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 what we see when we look at a hedgerow or what we see when we look at a garden or what we see when we look at different tree forms or even minute animals little insects and bugs they all perform their place and and that's kind of where I see pattern as a useful medium for talking about nature and biodiversity and who we are in it you know who are we in that pattern and and that's what I was exploring in my MA work I wouldn't say it was activist but in a way it was because I was trying to point out to people that in my life I have missed the signs and signals of climate change I've been aware of them but I haven't really changed enough to make me now feel yeah I nailed it I, I did my bit and, I'm, and that's a constant work in progress and a constant source of, of frustration that it's not getting fixed very easily through my own behaviours and through the behaviours of others. And so exploring that idea through my work and through the pattern work I created was to say, I'm something in this pattern. You're something in this pattern. I'm acknowledging some of the things I can do to change my habits. Can you? And I think that's the sort of, question and answer I want to report on in my work with that I do with nature I love that a pattern can create a dialogue um, I know you obviously had your MA show and I know you've done some workshops around uh, some of those themes around kind of habits and things like that how have you found the dialogue with other people in your work 
I think I'm still discovering that actually. I think I'm having a dialogue with myself and my patterns at the moment, mostly. It came up in conversation with the people in the workshop. I wanted to say, you know, we're, we're looking at patterns here because you're interested in patterns and it's all about plants. But actually for me, there's a purpose to this. And I like these patterns with purpose as well. I don't think there are people out there using the form of pattern as a vehicle for creative dialogue. You know, I'm thinking of the classic William Morris wallpaper, for example. It's full of beautiful motifs around nature. It's not having a dialogue about the state of nature. It's having a dialogue with the status of your home. Pattern on clothing, again, some people are using motifs in a very challenging way um, in fashion because fashion has a more radical view, I think. And I think fashion is going through a, an observation of its own consciousness and, and where it sits with its conscience and history. And I think that I think we're going to see more images on clothing, patterned motifs put together in, in, in more radical ways that do start to ask questions. You know, why is that? Why have they put that on there? And we, we see it with save the, saving animal campaigns and things like that. But I think as an art, just for art's sake, or just for conversation or exhibition, I don't think pattern is a common form. And I'd like to be working to fill some of that space, really. Can we go back to one thing that you had said previously, which I kind of just want to challenge you a little bit on this, which is you'd said something about how you're more of an introvert and that makes you less of an activist. But I think that like, it's the choice of choosing to show up for something important through your work and your making is the thing that makes you the activist but it's it's hard I think it's also because I know you a bit Susie that like I can't imagine you not being somebody who is so morally and consciously based and who adamantly goes to try to make the world a better place in in every aspect of all of the different things that she does or puts out into the world I think activism and I might have this fixed in my my viewpoint but I think activism has got a a sense about it where it is a very active very battle-led you know you've got to be out there campaigning you've got to be you've got to be making a noise about something and I think there's a lot of space to make a quiet a quiet comment that fills those spaces that are left behind the people charging off <laughs> to do things and um, I have made a decision through moving away from graphic design to choose the work that means something and if that work means something it's more intellectually engaging for me I don't do very well with the idea of making patterns purely for decorative effect which of course I can do I'm looking for something that's going to speak louder than that if that's a activist activity then yes I guess I am an activist I'm satisfied with that thank you that's going to say well done Ashley well done Susie <laughs> it's a really interesting one isn't it those labels that you know activism is weighted isn't it it's weight it has connotations for all of us and that might be because of our own experiences or what we see what we hear about and yeah it can be really scary to label ourselves as that but I do always remember Susie you sharing with me about the craft Bist collective and this idea of kind of gentle or quiet activism and that a lot of what we think of it, of activism 
you know, is only suited to certain types of people, I suppose. It isn't necessarily suited to people who are perhaps more introverted. I do. I did want to mention this for the sole reason that I think that a lot of times creatives tend to be more introverted, right? Like they, they tend to be more introspective. They tend to, I, I mean, and I'm making a lot of blanket stereotypes here, but I'm just saying like makers that prefer to be in their own company thinking about things in an intellectual level and and I think that's why I see you as an activist because I see that you show up in so many different ways for so many different people and you've you've changed the way I look at the world in so many different ways and I think that's a form of activism as well it's interesting because that that brings up the the feeling of responsibility you know uh, and where does responsibility sit in creativity and I think if it's about having responsibility for supporting others in their creativity, I'm very, very happy to take that responsibility. If it's about um, showing people that it's okay to try, I'm very, very happy with that. If the responsibility is, I've got some skills, am I using them to share what's important to me? Yeah, I'll take that responsibility as well. But if it's about, you've got those skills can you do this for me I want to talk about something that is really important to me and it has no connectional value to me it sounds really selfish but actually I don't want to do that but what I mean is I have different values and I think if you're going to be expressing your creative self you've got to know who you are and what your values are and what you want to express we often see artists just expressing something and they're going through the, the challenge of discovering who they are. And I think a lot of art is made on that basis. That is, I am going on a journey here to discover what I can say and who I can say it to. And I think that's really important as well. And that's not something I can take responsibility for. But if I can put something in front of somebody and they say, actually, do you know what? I've never thought about that or being creative in that way or expressing myself in that way. I might give it a go. That would be amazing. But I don't feel qualified at all to judge anybody's output along their personal discovery of what they want to represent to their creative work, what they're trying to show, what stories they're trying to tell. I, I can't judge on that. I can only just say, yeah, do it, keep going, try. <laughs> that's that's so funny because I think that sort of relates back to like how as creatives, it's important to show up for the process. It's like the rule number seven of like, keep working. I don't know if that uh, makes and sense. And I think what you're saying about being an activist, what came into my mind was the idea of responsibility. And you mentioned that you, you felt that some things that I've said to you or whatever have helped you and your creatives contemplations or tasks or whatever and I think there is responsibility with creativity because you're taking responsibility for yourself and being disciplined you're taking responsibility for your being true to your values you're taking responsibility for your own development you're taking responsibility for not judging others you're taking responsibility for supporting others and you're taking responsibility for demonstrating something that may need to be said or heard or seen I think that's important, that idea of responsibility and creativity, because if you have it, you can do good work. Even if it's challenging, even if it's shocking, sometimes we need to be shocked. And I think 
all those values which are helping others develop not being judgmental being self-disciplined taking responsibility for developing yourself growing learning everyone can do that and i think everyone should do that how have you seen your creativity make positive changes in your own life and the lives of others years and years and years ago i worked with the body shop and designed a comic for them to tell the story of the rainforest and it was designed to be given to businessmen and I had full access to the whole of the body shop library and Anita Roddick was there to sort of tell us exactly why she was doing this and what was happening and it was just this eye-opening moment of business design situation in the rainforest coming together through colour and drawing and I just thought that's a really disruptive way of telling a story. And I supported that project by my, through my skills. And that felt amazing as well. And I think that was one of the projects and a book I designed called The Earth Report in the 80s, which was really quite radical, full of data about how the earth was, you know, suffering. And I think those, those projects have kind of sat with me and have been beacons of actually you can have design skills, you can have creative skills and you can put work out there that is going to inform others or present something in a way that they might be able to access those are the things that make impact certainly in my working history and also the sense that you know creativity or, or having a different way of representing data or representing stories you know that can have a different impact than just us reading a report for example being in community with other people as well and, and having that kind of creative energy between each other and and I love how infectious that is that when you take away some of those fears around creativity actually it's really infectious and I see it in my work as well that it brings joy. It is infectious and I think it does come down to context you have to have the context in which you feel okay to express whatever it is and and that context is hard you know we've all gone through lockdown we've all gone through different working environments and if you're working as a creative person sometimes that can be quite disruptive you might need lots of space you might need a performance hall you might need an orchestra and and if you haven't got that the con what's your context what do you do how do you do it can you be infected by creativity in a different way <laughs> absolutely and that's a really nice leading on to our next question as well so what do you think the major or minor barriers are to creativity you've spoken about context there but I'm sure you've got lots of ideas of what the other kind of barriers are for people well I do have a very personal one and that is myself conditioning experiences and random comments people might say or you know it's like it's like an actor they might be advised never to read their own reviews how do you review your own work what do you say to yourself about it who do you allow to review it? Do you listen? Because sometimes if you listen to the wrong things or you put it in the wrong place or it's not complete or it's not really what you wanted to express, if criticism comes in, it can sit very deeply. If criticism is throwaway and quick and superficial, it can feel misplaced or, or, or it can make your work feel it hasn't been given any consideration. And so... I, I'm absolutely my worst critic. I'm absolutely throwaway about some of my work. I'm absolutely overthink some of my work. I absolutely do ask the wrong people what they think. 
I ask the wrong people at the wrong time what they think. I don't rest when I'm tired. I just keep pushing on thinking that's the answer. And all those things are barriers to creativity. As yeah. Also asking yourself, who are you doing this for? You know, I've been trained as a designer to do it for the audience that's going to receive the product. So I can distance that work, but I can judge it nonetheless. And believe me, the client will judge it. And, you know, blue might not be the colour they want on that day. There's an irrational and there's a rational judgment. And that comes back to the activism. You know, I can detach myself now that I'm almost convinced I'm an activist by you two, almost. I, I can make who am I doing it for a tangible and therefore I can do the work and imagine their eyes or their their thoughts on it. And actually I can ask those people their thoughts and their views on it. And that is then slightly less personal. I will still judge how I did it, the techniques I used, the medium, the skill. Did I do that as well as I could? But actually I find detaching slightly useful and thinking about the audience because I don't tend to work just for my make work just for myself we have completely different mediums but everything that you said is just registered so much for me there's times where I've had to put out something that like for a client and they're going to review it and it's very and it's very much depends on the mood of the day how they're going to receive it um and it's a lot of times where you put your blood sweat and tears into it and then you have to immediately have that that distance between you and the project of like that project isn't me that's an output of me and so if they hate it they don't hate me but like I'm going to be crying in the bathroom for at least 15 minutes after this conversation is over I think that's really true and I think I think you know you can distance yourself from the the client's need and what you what you've made can be slightly distanced from yourself but we really shouldn't have to feel we have to go and cry in the bathroom for 15 minutes afterwards. We should really be able to say, it's okay, that's just their opinion. It's okay. And it's what they think the project needs. But actually, it's a stronger position that I, I find harder to get to. That is, I've put my blood, sweat and tears into this. I've come up with an idea from the middle of nowhere within me. I'm professional enough to know that what they are saying is absolute bunkum. And there is no other colour than blue for this. They are being ridiculous. Or I have to put my professional hat on and say, okay, I can see you would like blue. However, did you know that nine out of your 10 competitors are using exactly the same colour? <laughs> and it gives them a really damn good reason why that was chosen. And that's not personal and that's not, skill and that's not creative that's just like don't make me feel like my creative work is rubbish <laughs> it's it's funny because I worked with a director one time who they had a really great knack of just tearing people's work down and then they would go up to them and they'd be like all right defend it defend why you're right and I'm wrong and I thought that that was a really interesting thing because like they could it's really easy to take a creative's work and just say, oh, wow, that's, you didn't hit, you didn't hit the nail on the head. You missed it or whatever. But then for them to have the humility to come back and say, okay, if I, if you didn't miss it, then I did. So what did I miss? Mm. And I thought that was one of the most challenging experiences, but it was also really good. And it also gave creatives the chance, like the people working on the set, the chance to just say like, 
well, this is where I was coming from. This is what I thought. And then the director was like, well, this is the actual vision as opposed to what you think the vision might have been. Mm-hmm. So that was, but that was just a really interesting process that I went through once. That is interesting because it does come down to creative choice. And there's always pathways when you're going through a creative process. And if you as the, as the, the creative person making it, if you choose one pathway, but in the client side, they probably would have chosen another pathway. Who says either are wrong? And sometimes you just have to say, I chose this direction for now. <laughs> Other directions are available. Shall we explore some others? I love this. And, and take the personal out of it. I'm learning so much right now in this conversation from both of you. Just this idea that you have a right as a creative to, to challenge. And also um, it's about confidence isn't it as well at the end of the day I think about confidence in your work and your creativity and I suppose knowing when when to say enough is enough or when to say actually yeah that's fine I can do that because at the end of the day you're paying me to do that and that's fine we can move on again it's sort of that responsibility and and you know with our work as freelancers there's no job description is there there's no clear hierarchies there's no you know obviously you've got the the client uh, freelancer relationship but at the end of the day that's not as clear-cut as as other roles and other professions and things like that so it's so difficult to to navigate and and how to do that in a way that doesn't take from you as an individual as well actually how do you make sure that you um you protect and feed yourself as well in those situations that can can really knock you sideways I think what helps you when you've got a creative block after you've made the coffee put the bins out take my dog for another walk prepared the shopping for two weeks done all those little things that just keep your life going and you've realized it's now 5 p.m at that point just do something (laughs) it doesn't matter what it is just put something down in a form that is on the right path and if that means throwing ink or making squeaky sounds on a musical instrument or choosing random words in a dictionary I don't know what it is then I think that's what you do and I think you just have to stay with it and give yourself at least 40 minutes because there is something around 40 minutes I gather that is long enough to get past blockages but not long enough to feel mentally exhausted. I think I do that, actually. I think I will sit there for longer than feels comfortable, but not long enough to be bored or for the voices to start kicking in. So I think just do something. And I think sometimes little warm-up exercises, even if it's copying, you know, if you're a violinist and you're trying to create something new, if you can just copy a piece of music that's just play it, just play it over and over, just get into the mood of it. Or if you're an artist, use paint in a way that you 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 admire it's okay to copy as a warm-up exercise because actually that's practice and that's only going to serve you well in the future and I do find when my hands are doing something my brain is better placed to think it's really inspiring to hear all of these different ways of trying to work through something like that I'm going to hand over now to Ashley for the quick fire round so brace yourself I'm ready creativity is Finding your way to put things together that wouldn't normally be expected. Something that is inspiring me now is... Messy, textured colour. If you had to listen to one song on repeat, what would it be? 
the look on your face right now is priceless by the way <laughs> i don't have one song i listen to so many different things okay follow up is there a song that you listen to that always gets you into a creative place no <laughs> it's that simple <laughs> i am eclectic in what i listen to really eclectic well, we're going to put together a playlist. So what song do you want to, to add to the playlist then? I'm actually stuck to an answer to that. I'm writing that down. I've got to find a song or music. If you could have one piece of artwork, specifically visual art in your home, money is no object, what artwork would you have and who is it by? That's really hard. We do come to challenge. There is one piece of art in my home that means a huge amount to me. And it's a drawing that my son did. And it's really, really amazing considering the context with which it was drawn. And the only thing about that is it sounds like I'm favouring one son over another and I won't enjoy that thought. <laughs> so if I can stretch this, I would have that painting and then the piece of music I would have would be a composition by my other son who made a beautiful piece of music and put it out in the world. And I was very proud of him. If you had to pick any film to represent your creative journey, what film would it be? Is it Clockwise with John Cleese? <laughs> Everything goes wrong. <laughs> Is that the film where it all goes wrong and it's like, just do the right thing and get there. Okay. That came too easy, that one. <laughs> That's good though. <laughs> So if you were to inspire a young person or even perhaps your younger self, what book would you gift them to help them on their creative journey? It's called The Drawing Book and it's just a, um, a how to draw book. And every now and then I look at it and books like that just because they've got simple ways to make you see simple things. Oh, there is a book, actually. Forget that. There is one that's just come to mind as I've thought about drawing. I think it's called Drawing from the Right Side of the Brain. And I think that is the book I wish I'd discovered when I was younger. And that would be a great discovery for any young person. It's, it's about creativity as well. It's not just about, it's about how we think and process things as well. It's interesting. Well, that ends the quickfire questions. Well done, Susie. <laughs> Now you can Thank breathe. You. <laughs> Thank you so much, Susie. It's been such a joy um, hearing you uh, hearing you talk about creativity and your own creative journey, and being so honest about the things that are really challenging about it, but also the things that are incredibly joyful. And I also really like that we've convinced you, semi convinced you, that you are in fact an activist. We'll take that. Just as a final um, thing, if anyone wants to get in touch with you or find out more about you, where is the best way for them to reach you? I do have a website, um, studiojohansson.com. You can contact me via there. Fabulous. Thank you. We'll add all of those to our show notes as well so everyone can reach out if they'd like to. But yeah, huge thank you so much, Susie, for giving your time today and, and coming and having a conversation about all things creativity. Massively appreciate it. You've been a fantastic guest. Thank you very much for asking me.
Thank you for listening to Curious About Creativity. If you like what you heard today, please like, review, share, and subscribe. If you leave us a review, it helps more people find us. A big thank you to our guest today, Susie Johansson. Curious About Creativity is hosted by Steph Turner and Ashley Evenson. Music is by Twins Music. It's edited by Bex Deverage and produced by Bex Deverage, Ashley Evenson, and Steph Turner.